Hey, Dan, what do you know about fintech? You know, Nick, not much, really. But you know who knows fintech? John Reynolds. John Reynolds knows fintech. My name is John Reynolds, the host. Uh, this week, we've got two fabulous guests who are talking about why global fintechs choose particular cities as their European headquarters. So we're joined by Zach Lambert, product manager Plaid, the US financial API provider, and Manuel Sanhofer, senior vice president and general manager Europe for Neum, the cross-border payment fintech. So thanks both very much for joining me. Uh, as an intro, can we just get a brief inf- overview of your careers today and what your respective fintechs do. So let's start with you, Zach, please. Yeah, nice to be here. Thanks, Sean. Uh, I'm Zach. I help lead uh, the European operations for Plaid and have been here for about five years. Um, I actually originally joined in New York to help open and scale that office uh, and then pretty quickly migrated over the pond to help us over here. Um, We are the world's largest global open finance network. Uh, We support customers on everything to do with their bank accounts, whether that's you know, connecting it to a lending application, making a payment, funding an account, uh, verifying their identity, all of the things kind of in that sphere. Um, and excited to, to chat with you today. Okay. And what were you doing before your time at Platt? Great question. Uh, I was at a consulting firm working on specifically e-commerce optimization, um, which is quite relevant to my life today as well. Okay. That's fantastic. And, and Manuel, say the same question. Um, yes, yeah. Hello, John. Um, thank you very much also for being here. Um, yeah, like my name is Manuel. I'm leading. Oh, sorry, I'm getting getting a call in here. Sorry, this is. Can we cut this? Like someone is calling me here on. Hello. Um. Hello. Sorry, this was a. Um, yeah, hello. My, my name is Manuel. Um, great to be here, and um, thank you very much. Um, I'm leading um, Europe um, for Neom, um, being general manager here for EU and UK, um, with the mission to to build out um, our European value proposition, to um, build out our business in Europe. We're present in Europe at um, like in several cities, uh, in London, Amsterdam, and Lithuania, and in Malta. But I guess we will cover a bit later also like why we are in specific places and yeah i've been before like i've been with neom now for four months um relatively new here um consolidating our business here and, and growing our business here been before for three years at pioneer um global payouts provider and um before i had my own company a payment orchestration platform uh, where I was co-founder which i um, founded in in germany and yeah now in london since a while already and what is me and Neom doing? So we are the leader in, in global real-time payments, and we're basically helping um, to, to fill the gap of global money movement in, in real time. So um, the yeah, real-time money movement um, is kind of broken, and we're helping legacy, um, infra- uh, legacy banks, financial providers, and also newer platforms um, to, to move money across the globe in a real-time, speedy, fast way, and also in a transparent and cheap way. Okay, that's great. So the news hook for this, I think uh, recently, uh, Neom, which is, has got its global headquarters in Singapore, announced that London uh, was to be its European HQ. So Manuel, can you talk a bit about that? Because in your intro bit, you talked about you had a presence in other European countries. 
why London and not um, elsewhere in Europe? So, yeah, just like, as you just said before, like, um, we are founded in Singapore and we also have a very important hub in San Francisco. And all these hubs are chosen because they are providing um, access to certain ecosystems. Singapore providing access to the financial ecosystem in the Asia Pacific region. San Francisco providing access to, to talent, um, venture capital in the region, the, the, the tech platforms. Um, we have, um, yeah, this is basically the reason here. And we have been already before, like, uh, very active in Europe. Europe was always important for us. And some of our biggest clients are here in Europe. And we did grow in the last year, kind of like 80% in Europe. So we decided we need like a major hub here. And this is why we decided to grow our, our London hub. And there is there's several reasons for that. And you you may say, oh, Brexit um, has put the UK a bit away from overall Europe. We don't believe that. Um, overall, like our belief is that London is providing one of the best ecosystems for fintechs overall, um, being close to the banks, um, having a great ecosystem between government, regulators, central bank, and the fintech ecosystem. And this fintech ecosystem and ecosystem yeah, out of banks and fintechs is for us extremely important as all of those are also our put like our customers and our partners. And this is why we decided to open our, our European main hub in, in, in the center of the square mile, basically directly at bank, um, in the center of the city. Um, nevertheless, um, as said in my intro, we, we have several other hubs in Europe. We have a hub in Lithuania, we have a hub in Amsterdam, and we have a hub in Malta. And all these hubs are also chosen um, because of the respective ecosystems there. And because of talent, uh, we have access to there. And um, yeah, that's basically a bit of like the reasoning behind. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, I don't, I'm going to sound stupid here. I don't actually know this, and I should know this. So London's your European HQ. Is there any, for Neum, is I know you've, you've been in the, as you say, you've been in the UK for some time, but when you become a, a European HQ, uh, is there any kind of regulatory requirements you have to satisfy to have that title? You don't have to have a, a certain number of kind of boots on the ground or a certain office size. Having, having the title of your European HQ is just an internal thing, is it? It's more of an internal thing. It's more of um, our internal commitment um, to London being our European main hub. Um, you do have like certain commitments um, which are always related to licensing. So if you, and um, I guess you may know that, um, if you run a license, um, EMI license in our case out of a certain certain hub spot, then there is like certain requirements of like um, having people on the ground and having certain positions on the ground. Um, and all the places I mentioned before, Lithuania, um, the Netherlands, um, the UK and Malta are places where we hold licenses. This is also why we have people there. But um, the, like the, the major hiring in the future and the major, um, yeah, just like center for us in Europe is and will be the UK. Okay, that's great. So let's bring in, in Zach, who um, I think just before we started, I'm actually misinformed because I was on the understanding that Amsterdam was Plaid's European HQ and you had a London office, but I think I might be mistaken about that. 
Yeah, I think like we're Dually HQ. The offices are pretty similar sizes. And just kind of echoing everything that Manuel said, um, like the, the two kind of top priorities for us um, are like one being very, very close to our customers and the people that we think should be our customers. Uh, and then two being very, very close to hiring pools of super talented people that want to work directly with those customers in both markets. Um, in London and Amsterdam, were both pretty obvious choices for us. Um, I think kind of different than Neom, um, in, in a way, we kind of had to build from like the bottoms up and like come to the market before we had necessarily released a product or seen traction there. Um, so we had kind of pull demand from a lot of our customers in the US as Plaid was kind of going up market and working more with enterprises than we did in kind of the early days. Um, and, and those customers are asking us, hey, like, what's your perspective on PSD2? Uh, can we use you in Europe as well? It seems like kind of the market is changing there. Um, it, and ultimately, it might actually, you know, present as, as a regulatory framework for how fintech is regulated globally. Like, that's how kind of innovative we think it is. Um, and, and, you know, we looked at that. Uh, we thought about it. it. It made a lot of sense to us um, in a way that, you know, seemed obvious at the time and, and certainly seems obvious in hindsight as well. Um, and so we came here to really like work with those customers directly. Uh, again, a lot of them tend to have boots on the ground here uh, and people um, and product and engineering teams as well as go to market. Um, and, and then, you know, hire our team to like support those customers locally as well, uh, such that anything that we need to do for our European customers, uh, we can do from Europe. Um, and I think London and Amsterdam both stand out in, in a number of ways, uh, but particularly in terms of like fintech presence and incubation there, uh, as well as like mm. innovative regulatory and quasi-regulatory bodies that are kind of lifting the ecosystem up. Um, so we're, we're very excited to be across both of them. And I think like, also like, like, like language is in both, both places also an important topic because like if you would look at Frankfurt or like a Germany or I mean, mm. I am German as you can hear. And if you would look at Paris, it is harder to find like talent, which is like willing to, to, um, to work only in English. This is unfortunately still like that. And we, we see that in our go to market. So we have local people in France. We have local people in Germany. Um, just like also to satisfy the, the go to market need there in, in, in local language. Okay, that is interesting. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Just going back, Zach, so you kind of extol the virtues of, of London and Amsterdam. Did you look at, I mean, there are, I guess, alternatives. I mean, did you look at other potential European cities? And you also talked about uh, the importance of being close to customers. I mean, is that kind of a point of difference to perhaps some of your competitors uh, in, in the US that you've got kind of boots on the ground in Europe, the customers kind of look upon that as, as, as kind of in your favor? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely an advantage for us, right? Like we have you know, a thousand people uh, sitting in the US kind of building products also for the same set of customers that we support in Europe. Uh, and then a team of, you know, a hundred people in Europe uh, just kind of making sure that we're you know, tweaking anything that we might build in the US to support the local markets, also building kind of from the ground up, like net new products for those markets, um, and just able to kind of get the best of both worlds. So where something that is like centrally built could serve our customers in Europe, that's great. We get that sort of quote unquote for free. Um, and where we need to diverge a little bit because, you know, say faster payments is different from ACH or something like that. Um, we totally have the capacity and ability to do that. So th that functions very, very well now uh, in year five of Europe um, and, and was a mus muscle that we worked very hard at building for a while. 
on the like on the other cities piece i mean yes uh, I, I don't want to get in trouble and uh to go into the reasons why we might not have chosen particular cities so again i will extol the virtues uh, in your words of london and amsterdam i think london is kind of a, a behemoth um there are other places that you could think about in europe and again I, I i will not mention a city by name here um that a lot of folks tend to set up their presences in. I think those just made a little bit less sense for us because the point was always, you know, not necessarily to index too hard um, on like one or two markets in Europe and to really be able to like be close to our customers and their headquarters are very often in London. Uh, And then also have like a, a very central point to hop around to the rest of Europe and be able to kind of like sit in the driver's seat and look kind of, all across the ecosystem. Um, and Amsterdam just affords a great opportunity to do that from like, again, from a language perspective, which is a great point from like how regulation functions in Europe and the various things that funnel through there. Um, it, it's an important market for, for tech broadly, if you think about like Netflix and Uber um, and then FinTech broadly as well. If you think about uh, like Adyen and some of the other giants that kind of operate yeah. there. Okay, so, so Manuel, just going back, so just on clarity, on, on the language point, so we're saying that London and Amsterdam, English is, 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 is the first language compared to kind of other European cities. Is that the, the point that we're, trying to, we're making? No, that's basically perhaps not the main point I want to make, but um, just like uh, I want to go more back, like also to the, to the point Zach was just uh, making, like both both places provide a certain talent pool because there is already an agglomeration of, of certain businesses. So um, there is Adyen and there's lots of like other payments companies around Adyen being in Amsterdam, for example, banks in Amsterdam. This is why uh, Amsterdam was for us. Um, the, the choice where we establish on, on the European mainland, on the continent. And and yes, language, like there is a f- affinity in the Netherlands, um, to, to a higher affinity to speak um, to speak English. Um, but nevertheless, like you find also great talent in, in the other countries. I, I don't want to just like say something wrong here. But for us, London was the natural choice. And um, in the past, um, yes, this was the natural approach, I guess, of like international companies. You come to Europe and then you go to London and then you think like that's that's Europe. Um, you still need to to be present in, in some local markets and you still need to understand the local market. But, and this is what I said before, London was for us the natural, natural hub because we had some of our biggest clients here, which are like big banks and, and other fintechs. And we had the talent here. Um, we, we have the partners here. So this is why it was very natural for us to, to choose London. And we didn't um, look at much other alternatives, uh, to be fair, um, outside of Amsterdam, which we've also chosen as like um, another hub in, in Europe. Okay, that's very interesting. So, so in your London office, do you have, um, in terms of your talent and staff, are they kind of um, UK people? I mean, is it, or is, are they from all over Europe or all over the world? I mean, is London a a, a big pull, uh, a, a, rec- a big recruitment driver, a big pull? You know, it's a big lure to to, to say you'll be located in L- London. So basically, it, it's a pool of people. Like, it's yeah, basically, it's you. People from the UK, um, all over the UK. It's people from from all over Europe, um, but we also have like um, international talent working for us. Um, people who were already here in the ecosystem. So, uh, but the same applies 
for for Amsterdam. Um, we have also a very international team. Um, all over in in all our hubs um, across the globe, our our talent pool is very international. Um, I would always say it's kind of like fifty percent local, and and the, the other part is international talent. And, and and Zach, I mean, you're headquartered in uh, San Francisco, so I mean, is it a pull? I don't know. Can you talk a bit about the makeup of your European stuff? Is that um, your um, U- US workers? Is again, is, is it a broad mix, or is is there a pull for? Do you have staff who are based in San Francisco? I guess based in Europe for a period of time too. Yeah, I think the like cross office travel is just very attractive for our teams, um, particularly like on the exec side. I think our leadership team does an awesome job of visiting both our teams and then our customers in market as well. Um, so, so that like revolving door is really, really working quite well. And then I think on the like strategic and, and you know engineering side of the equation, um, we work very hard to sort of orient the plane in a position such that we're picking up as many tailwinds as we possibly can without encountering headwinds, um, which like sounds a little bit too good to be true and probably is in some ways. But again, harking back to an earlier point, I think we're very good at like where there are centralized functions and platforms that support various different teams, um, being able to take advantage of those, whether they sit in like SF or New York or London. Um, And again, if there's like a local need that might not be addressed, then being able to build that ourselves and just kind of take it on. Um, So kind of concrete example on that. uh, Mobile is obviously a very important platform for for Plaid. Uh, We have SDKs uh, and and support customers on a a wide variety of devices. Um, That's like a very central function that's important to Plaid globally. Um, And something that we kind of work with that central team on. Uh, whereas again, some of the like specific payments products in Europe because of local rails is something we build more ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think kind of two principles, one orienting the plane such that we pick up as many tailwinds as possible from the things that we're building for our customers globally. And then two, not necessarily like relying on that, but staffing our team in such a way for all functions, right? Like I tend to talk a bit more about engineering and products, but like sales and legal and compliance and account management are also super important to have local. Um, And just having those people, one, both ready to support locally and like wholly owning the customer relationships in market. Um, And then two, being also very deeply plugged into like their counterparts in the US so they can kind of share learnings and opportunities and like headwinds that might exist with each other. Okay, so that's so just give us just give the listeners a flavour. So, you, are you kind of flitting between SF, uh, London, and Amsterdam? How does your kind of year pan out then? Uh, I spent a lot of very productive time on the Eurostar. Um, <laughs> uh, if, if you've been on it, you're probably familiar with the lack of Wi-Fi, which is fantastic. For I just want to say, as long as, long as you have Wi-Fi. Uh, I was going to say, the lack of Wi-Fi <laughs> is actually useful for me, Manuel, because I just like preload all of the documents that I need to write and review, and like no one can reach me in meetings. Uh, so that's fantastic. Um, a little bit less time in SF in New York, but probably once or twice a year in each. Um, and, you know, just making sure that like, I think the challenge of a dual headquarters setup, um, is obviously like when teams are kind of physically disparate, it it might be difficult to foster connection. I think that's been very untrue for us, particularly because we're aware of the risk. Uh, and so, you know, twice a year we get the teams all together in one place, uh, so that they can kind of learn from each other and make sure that even when we're not in the same physical place, 
uh, there's a lot of like cross-functional uh, collaboration that's happening. So I think like our team acts as if speed is their superpower uh, because being able to move fast and like not worry about silos when we're building things for customers is, is pretty important to us. And perhaps to add here, like what, what, what Zach is saying, like um, I can only echo that the cross collaborational um, like cooperation is so important, especially if you provide a global product and if your if your customers are global. So you need that. You you need to understand locally what's happening, and this is where you need the people there. But you need to have like also for the global function this exchange in order to to build the right product and the right value proposition for your for your global customers and partners. Okay. Uh That, that's great. So recently in, in the press, there's been reports of, um, particularly on US kind of tech giants like Alphabet and, and Meta, abandoning um, leased office space, I guess partly to do with uh, cuts or, or more people uh, working from home. Um, so can you can you both talk about what, what, what working structures you have at the moment? I guess, I mean, do you have a, a hybrid um Uh, working structure and I mean uh, in terms of your kind of office space mm -hmm. have you got excess office space or you're kind of you know you know fill, filled up or what, what's been what's been the impact of any changing in, in working practices uh, Zach? Yeah so I think like we're, we're pretty flexible uh, we do have a hybrid model and I think most folks on average come in two or three days a week Uh, which is fantastic. I think, you know, nothing has been able to replicate kind of being in person in front of a whiteboard so far. Um, and then similarly, for like the cross-functional piece, we encourage uh, folks to get in the room with people from different functions or different offices whenever that's possible as well. Um, so like, I think that hybrid model and flexibility is important to us. Like people should be able to work from home when they want to. Um, but, you know, I think an encouraging sign, uh, particularly for our team's, um, is that like they actually want to be in the office and feel that they are more productive there as well. Um, mm. And so we try to like, you know, coordinate days and just make sure that we have um, programming and events going on. Uh, we try to give people like free space to whiteboard or, or spend like almost unproductive time on sort of new product ideation or figuring out how to like redo existing processes that we have. Um, and I think like size-wise, our offices are comfortable. Um, I don't think they're too big. I don't think they're too small. Um, I think it, the most important thing is like people enjoy being in them. Um, and we sort of actively solicit feedback on what we can do better to make sure that that's the case. Well, you, you're in the kind of hip area of London. Are you Are you Shoreditch? Or? <laughs> We are in, in Moorgate, so adjacent to the hip area oh, of London, oh. although I, I stopped knowing what the hip areas are many years ago. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm showing my age there. Um, Manuel, <laughs> same question. What, what, what working structure do, do you have at Neon? Yeah, same for us. Like we, we also follow a hybrid working structure, but we encourage strongly to be um, around like three days a week in the office. And... What we want to like encourage is like, as Zach said, like we, we want cross collaboration between teams. Uh, we want that the teams meet and, and work together. So there's no point to, um, to ask people to come to the office uh, in order to have like nine hours calls with the rest of the world, because this may be even more productive from home and you, you, you can just like, spare yourself the commute. 
but there's a point in speaking to your colleagues, in communicating, in speaking to other teams, in having team lunches, in having um, yeah, days where, where teams present what, what they are doing. And, and these are things which, which we are, which we are pushing. And we, we rented, um, a relatively generous office space with like, um, yeah, big communal areas. This was, this was a focus to have like meeting rooms and, and a big area to meet. And we, we want to, um, our office to be like a place for people coming together more and more and also partners and customers. And this is um, something which we're pushing. We're going to do more events. We want to do more events with with a like mentioned ecosystem before, um, with um, yeah, lobby organizations, partner organization, banks, and so on. And um, want yeah, um, yeah, the office being like a, a community hub there. Okay, I, I think I can hear someone slack in the background there. Um, that's fantastic. So, last couple of questions. So, I mean, this year in particular, London has come in for some criticism from fintech luminaries as a as a kind of thing uh, a fintech hub uh i think uh the founder of lend invest christian phase has, has moved to the u.s hitting out at london and tom blomfield who's the co-founder of monzo and said something along the lines of the U- uh, uh, london was not favorable to ambitious founders who want to do something unusual but i guess from what you're both saying and the fact that you have uh, London HQ, that you're still pretty bullish and pretty positive uh, as London as, as a fintech hub and, and a great place to, to, to grow a fintech, Zach. Yeah, I mean, like p- people are certainly entitled to their opinions and the reasons behind them most likely make sense for them. I think like a lot of this is pretty quantifiable, though. Um, if you look at like investment activity, I think London and Europe broadly are like really only trending up. So we actually see a lot of like cross pollination um, with like US VCs setting up shop in London, uh, A16 being like a very recent example, um, and vice versa uh, with like European firms trying to like break into the US to help the US firm scale over here, which is not necessarily simple. Um, and just like deal activity, size of round, valuation of companies, growth rates. like There are all very quantifiable reasons why European tech is performing quite well right now and like many, many reasons to be bullish on it. Uh, and Manuel? Yeah, basically same, same thing. Like UK, London is a global financial center. Um, it has a like um, great time zone to, to trade between Asia and the Americas. Um, there is a, a great VC ecosystem here. Um, there is, um, like, in our opinion, very progressive regulators here regarding licensing, central bank access, open banking standards, all those topics. And um, we are, like, yeah, very confident that London uh, will stay uh, an amazing place for fintechs. And we are in, in great contact with, like, uh, different bodies here, Center for Innovation, Technology and Finance, and technology, um, innovate finance, and others um, who are helping also this ecosystem to grow and to connect. Okay, so, so there's been and just on, on Brexit, there's been no kind of long-standing detrimental effects on Manuel on your business at all, or that's all kind of um, done and dusted now. Um, to be fair, like we, we were before already, before Brexit, like set up in the way that we had a license uh, out of Lithuania and we're going to have like another license out of the Netherlands and we had the UK license. Um, 
one impact would have been, to be fair, if we would have had only like the UK license, we couldn't have passported it anymore. Um, for us, the impact was not very, not, not, was not really material. Same question to you, Zach. Yeah, like I think there is an impact, obviously, again, specifically on like licensing uh, jurisdiction and passporting. Um, you know, it is true mm. that like more work needs to be happen needs to happen to be licensed in two places versus one. I think to, to Manuel's point, like if we had to go back and make the decision to duly headquarter again, we would probably make the same decision um, just because Europe is diffuse, right? Like consumers want different things. Businesses are building different things. Um, it would be, it would be quite difficult to serve like the UK and all of Europe from one, from one office. Um, and I think on like purely strategic grounds, we would have made the same choice that we did in terms of setting up in both markets. Okay, that, that's fantastic. And final question, I guess, in terms of your European presence and operations, you're, you're happy with the status quo. So, you know, kind of one year or, or in the next few years, you're not looking at opening further uh, European hubs, uh, Zach? I'm never happy with the status quo. I want to grow more. Um, I, I think, you know, we're growing healthily in Europe. Uh, it's a very important market for, for Plaid Globally. Um, again, particularly going back to like uh, the regulatory regime of PSD2 and how that's kind of translated down to 1033 and similar issues in the US. Um, and along with like a lot of our customers seeing now as like a valuable opportunity to expand uh, and to just kind of tap into a user base that they've not actually you know been privy to before. Um, so strategically, I think Europe is quite important for us uh, and growing very well. In terms of like plans for additional offices, uh, no, we don't have those uh, at the time. Um, but but never want to say like that we would block that out because like the truth is if we keep growing in the same way that we're growing right now you know uh, many things are on the table. Okay, and and final word to you, Manuel. Yeah, on, on same for us. Same for us. Like as of now, and important to say that as of now we don't have plans to open further offices. But but we will grow here in the UK. We just open. We will grow in Amsterdam. We also just open. And where we will definitely also grow is, is in local markets, but uh, in the local markets, we will grow more on, on the go-to-market side, sales, account management, and all those related positions. But um, the, the main hubs um, we are committed to at the moment are Amsterdam, uh, London and Amsterdam. Uh, Manuel Zak, you've been very eloquent, uh, very forthcoming. Thank you very much. And that's all the time we've got for this edition of Tech EU's What Do You Know About Fintech? If you've liked the show or not, go ahead and hit subscribe, like, rate us. We'll see you next time.